So uh, we are carrying on this series from the heart, and uh, there is a proverb that says, "From the heart, the mouth speaks." So I can straight away I can look around the room, and there are certain things that I know if I spoke to you, uh, you would say because I know it's on your heart. Um, so uh, you know, some of you would be a bit of football banter. Uh, for some of you, it's just a passion or something. Now, um, I saw when uh, Mr. Paul Davis came out earlier. I did admire your shirt. Um, because it has a little logo on it. So uh, something that would be on my heart particularly often is, is this, this shirt that uh, I was, uh, wasn't wearing last night, but uh, I was very happy to watch uh, the goals go in. But uh, something else that if you chat with me, I will talk about a lot is building. Uh, building is my world. Uh, and um, so that is something that is on my heart a lot. Now, two weeks ago, Gary shared and his... Uh, from the heart was about making a difference uh, and he told the story about the, uh, the little boy chucking one starfish in the sea at a time uh, and um, the fact that it made a difference that one starfish uh, last week Terry shared and his thing was what if looking at all these situations that we face and just wondering what if, what if and he shared a wonderful advert that I was quite put out about because I love that advert, the Honda advert, where they say what if. I wasn't even thinking of using it this week, and Terry stole it. Uh, however, uh, we don't need it again. So, so that was Terry last week. Um, yeah, didn't click forward. Right, so I am going to be talking about I will build my church. Uh, so now, I will build my church is not me. So I do not build the church. Who builds the church? Jesus, yes. He will build his church. So he said it to Peter in Matthew 16. Uh, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And he actually says it to Peter, saying he'll, he's going to start with Peter. On this rock, I will build my church. So he's going to use us to do it, uh, but he built his church. Now, when he talks about building the church, he is not talking about this. And he's not even talking about more bums on seats in this room. He is thinking about the whole church. So when we talk about building the church, it would be lovely to see this room fuller. It would be lovely to be meeting three, four times a day because there's so many people coming here. But that's quite selfish, thinking about our congregation. Our role in partnering with Jesus and building the church is to build the whole church. And that is what God is talking about. And that is really what I want to focus on this morning. So I am going to start with change. So we live in constant change. So you start off, you're a small person building Lego or Play-Doh or something on the floor right now. Then you're a teenager and you've got all the fun of puberty and responsibilities. Then you're an adult and you've got even more responsibility. Uh, Then you might change jobs, you might get a new job, you retire. Uh, You might meet someone, you might get married, you might separate, you might have kids of your own, have grandkids. Uh, Constant change, always changing. And at the same time, even if you're living in a constant, other people around you, their lives are changing. We cannot stop change. Uh, it's inevitable. Trying to stop change 
is a bit like standing on the beach and trying to stop the waves coming in. Now, for some people, they love change. They think it's fantastic. For other people, they can't bear it. They just want things to be as they are. Uh, and I'm, I'm sorry, that it, it, you, you can't stop it. It is just going to happen. Now, when I start a building, I might start on an uh, existing building and we're modifying it. We might start on a completely empty field and we're coming out the ground. It doesn't matter what you do, you start off destroying something. The process of creating is destructive. So even any of the kids now who are colouring, you kind of think that's probably the most simple thing. There's a tree that's gone there for some paper. Something else has gone to make the colouring implements. Something has been destroyed in order for that little bit of creation to go on there. So creation is destructive. And, uh, and the first thing I really want to say is when we want to start something new, if God is building the church and we're partnering with him, there will be things that we have to put down. That is step one of creating, is you've got to be prepared to put things down. And, uh, it, yeah, it's a constant thing. So uh, if you've got it all together and you are now absolutely perfect as God intended you to be, I'd like to come and shake you by the hand. But I think we all know we're not there yet. And so if God is changing us to be the people he wants us to be, there are things that we're going to have to lay down. And uh, those of you who've helped out in Alpha or been part of Alpha, there's one week where we talk about the church. And uh, there's a great phrase they use in the, in the latest set of videos where they say, the church should be more like a hospital and less like a museum. And uh, I think it's quite easy for us in a church like this to think about all the people in the established churches and how they're the museum churches and we're the hospital church. It's not true. Okay, we have things that we like about how we do church that we hold so preciously, we're in danger of making our church a museum. So just want to start by saying that we can't hold on to anything too tightly because in order to create something new, we've got to be prepared to put things down. Number two is uh, the fun stuff. Okay. Groundworks are messy, expensive, dirty, take a long time. They're expensive, and when you've finished, you see nothing because they're all buried again. So the job I'm doing at the moment it is a completely landlocked site. It's behind a church, funnily enough. I'm building an extension to a church. Um, we can only get around there on footpaths. Uh, it's surrounded by graves. Uh, we had an archaeologist on site to start off with to make sure we didn't dig up Auntie Mavis or something. Uh, and we have spent... Uh, we started in January. We finished in the ground at the end of June. And we'll be... So it's more than half the project, and we were just in the ground, just mucking about in the, mur in the mud. And it looks terrible. It looks a mess. It, it's not that one. That's a... Nice one off uh, Google to, to make the point. But groundworks are expensive. Once we're out of the ground, the building flies up. You know, it's uh, six weeks later and we're getting close to the roof. 
uh, and the, the ground floor is screeded, there's pipes going in and cables and things like that. So it flies up. But the groundworks are expensive, they take a long time. God spends a lot of time on our foundations. The, Sarah shared the story about the, uh, the wise man building his house on the rock. And uh, we need to have good foundations. And uh, sometimes you need a little bit of tweaking on your foundations as well. So again, if you've got it all made, come and shake you by the hand. But I don't think we're there yet. Uh, And uh, I want to suggest that um, God still does work on our foundations. Uh, even, Even when we've been saved a long time, there are still things to do. Uh thing I really wanted to say this morning was it might be these past, past um, couple of years you kind of feel like we've been drifting and not a lot's been going on and I want to suggest that actually God's been doing something all that time. Uh, I don't think God's had his feet up thinking well I've got a couple of years off well they all worry about whether they wear masks and uh, and uh, COVID passports and all the rest. I think he's been hard at work in the last two years. I want to suggest that God's been doing something in us as individuals, in us as families, and in us as a church, so that when we get back to it over the next few weeks and months, that actually we're not the same as we were two years ago, that God's been working on our foundations. I also want to say that I hate the excuse that I'm not equipped enough to do something. Because God doesn't send us out to work ill-equipped. So I've heard it over the years when we sort of say, I want to do, we want to do this initiative, we want to do that initiative, and people say, oh, I need to be better trained. You know, God, God doesn't send us to work ill-equipped. So we have everything that we need. But God is working on our foundations, and we need to be prepared for that, and we need to be prepared that it's messy, it's painful, you dig up some stuff that you don't necessarily want to see, you wish it had stayed buried... But it's, it's all good stuff, and when it's right, you can build off it, and it, that's when the fun starts, is when it's all done. The last thing I want to say is God is the architect, and he sees the whole plan. So uh, tradesmen like to grumble. It's a bit of a sport, really, on site. It's how much you can moan about other people. So uh, I often joke that if I didn't moan about my job that half the fun will be gone because moaning about it is it's part of the fun. But, uh, you know, I have brickies and they'll come and they'll moan, why are we doing it like this? It's wrong, it's back to front. It would be so much easier if... And you're like, well, you might be easier for you, but the building's been designed in this way for a reason. And then you've got the electrician, why am I doing this? It would be so much easier if... That wall's in my way. Well, that wall's holding up the roof, kind of important, you know. <laughs> They all see their bits. They all focus on their bits. But the architects, the uh, design team, they see the whole thing. And God is our architect. He sees the whole thing. In Psalm 119, uh, uh, there's a verse that he is a light to our feet. We only see the next three or four steps because he's a light to our feet. Sometimes it'd be really nice if that flashlight just went a little bit further forward but God sees that whole path and that's where faith comes in we've got to be prepared to walk forwards trusting 
that the designer of the church that we are building knows what he's doing when we don't. Now, I'm not suggesting for one minute that Terry, myself, Andy, Gary, we've got all the answers. Okay, I'm not suggesting that. So don't be following us blindly, okay, because we're as much in the dark a lot of the time as you guys are. So that's dead honest there, but it's true. But God is not in the dark. He knows where, where, where we're going. And there's that uh, passage in, a, a, in Two Kings of Elisha, and he's got his servant, and they're in fear they're being hunted down. And Elisha says to God to open his servant's eyes, and the servant sees the heavenly army that are surrounding them and protecting them because it's the bigger picture. God knows what's going on. So my, my last point is, are we prepared to walk in faith, trusting uh, in the architect? And I just want to read to you a story. Uh, it's a true story. It's a bit of history. It's from the internet, so if it's not accurate, the general story is right. But uh, for those purists out there who will worry about the inaccuracies, I've just gone to a source. It might be right. It might be slightly off. So I'm just going to read this. The Hibernian Scottish missionaries were Gaelic monks from Ireland and the western coast of modern-day Scotland who re-Christianised Britain and Western Europe after the fall of Rome. They were a wild people from a wild land who harnessed their considerable passion and energies into Christian devotion. Rather than undergoing complete personality transplants, the Hiberna Scots disciplined their passions without extinguishing them. They retained their sense of rowdiness and their love of wild elemental places like the coastline of Scotland and Northern England. They harnessed their love of drinking and singing and storytelling and directing it towards God. They practiced hospitality and welcomed all comers. They were deeply shaped by their newfound faith and saw the Trinity not only as a doctrine but as a framework for all human interactions, highly valuing community, reconciliation and partnership. As a result, their monasteries were not the cold stone castles of the medieval period but Christian villages, places of agriculture, study and safety. But above all, they were missionaries. When the abbot considered certain monks to be ready for missionary service, after years of learning and habit forming their foundations, they would be sent out to take the gospel to the lost. This was done in the most bizarre fashion. The missionary monks were commissioned by the village and placed in a coracle. Now this is a coracle. It's a boat with very little directional stability. There's no keel on it. It's virtually round. It will spin easily in the water. They're very hard to, to paddle in a straight line. So uh, that's, that's what a coracle is. Uh, a small circular boat made of wickerwork covered in a watertight material and pushed from the shore, letting go of the past. They're pushed out into something new with the prayer that the Lord of the wind and the waves would take them to the very people he wanted them to save. Coracles were used by fishermen at the time and were propelled with a single paddle, but the missionary monks were given no such tool. They're entirely at the mercy of the wind and the waves, going forward in faith. Wherever they ran aground, that was where they were to commence their missionary work of brokering peace, preaching the gospel and founding monastery villages like the one which they'd come. These weird monks 
saved Europe from the darkness of constant war, bloodshed, superstition and disease and helped the continent re-embrace Christianity and forge a new era of Christendom. So, uh, I mean, that's... I, I forget what period it is, but I think it's about 600 AD. So it's a long, long time ago. And for me, I mean, that is... That's proper brave, isn't it? Just getting in that one... Something like that on the sea... You kind of think just getting off the beach with the waves would be, be hard enough. And then just wondering where you end up, if you end up anywhere, before you run out of food and water. But that's, that's what he did. So, just going back then, building the church means something else has to be destroyed. We've got to be prepared to lay things down. It might be moving away. It might be changing your place. It might just be changing your practices. But we have to be prepared to lay things down. Foundations are messy and expensive, but we've got to be prepared for God to do a deep work in us that takes time so that we can do the fun stuff with him a bit later on. And our architect sees the full picture. Do you trust him? And I want to close by asking you this question. Can you say anything, Lord, and mean it? And as a church, together, can we say anything Lord and mean it.